The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. to the first On The Rag podcast for 2017. Yay! Well, there are 1.5 million of us in here, if you couldn't tell. That was amazing. From the cheers. Like, oh, be quiet, the crowd. crowd. They were so coordinated that it sounded like, like three people. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming back. The world is still... Being held together by a thread, right? Still, <laughs> we're all fine. We're still here. It's unraveled a little further since the last time we chatted, but yeah, cheers. As, as I expect, it will. So we have got the Prosecco out uh, as per some bubbles. You Mama's know, medicine. Can I be honest? <laughs> the night before uh, Trump's inauguration, I bought a nice bottle of <laughs> bubbles, I thought, and I and I went and over to my friend's house no and I said, let's do this oh, and let's maybe do more of this. I don't want to encourage a lot of drinking, <laughs> I but do. I'm saying it was oh, a great sorry. way to start. <laughs> um, hello, my name is Alex Casey. I am joined as always by my favourite people ever, Michelle Court. Hello. And Leonie Hayden. Oh yeah, Himari. Who is doing a wonderful job of pouring... Pour in the bubbles today. That's so what these hands you just woke up Siri with that, with that uh, beautiful tereo. You know then. what? Ooh. Siri out of nowhere called me a bitch the other day. <laughs> wow, I, I didn't know she did that. Just sitting on the table, my phone was sitting on my table in front of me, and then the word bitch just appeared on the screen. It was that, so weird. <laughs> that is great. That is 2017. We thought you couldn't <laughs> get any worse. <laughs> now Siri's revolting. I wake her up every time. Apparently, I say, "Are you serious?" She comes on and goes, what can I help you with? <laughs> Nothing, Siri, it's okay. It's not always all about it's you, Siri. It's about, you, it's about yeah. the other person in the room. Um, thank you, as always, to open to our sponsors at Bond Tampons. Uh, Cheers, Bond. Hoorah! New Zealand made 100% organic uh, tampons delivered to your door if you want them, and they donate one pack to Women's Refuge for every pack you buy. So if you are a person that bleeds from their vaginas... That's a fine thing to say, right? It is, yes, it's I think fine. so. Yeah, fine. Highly recommend them. Um, highly. Also, if you are not one of those people, I just want to have a disclaimer that we do hope this podcast is inclusive of you. We are trying really hard. We've been having a lot of conversations, um, kind of following all the dialogue around the women's marches and just kind of, I guess, with the state of where feminism is right now. And we want to 
be sure to be inclusive of all people who want to listen to this podcast mm. and get involved. So if there is ever anything that concerns you, if you know, if you are a non-binary person, or, you know, and you want to call us out, <laughs> send us a message, or yeah. there's an issue that matters to you that you want us to talk about, um, we have a hashtag OTRpod on Twitter, and we also have a Facebook page. Do it. So it's facebook.com slash ontheragpod, I think. So yeah, we're really trying to make this a place where all people feel welcome, and we just want to talk about stuff, have a laugh, right? Yeah, have a laugh. I'll try. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. We're going to try. Find the funny bits. I'm trying to have a good laugh once a day. <laughs> this is my, oh my God. Do we need some laughing yoga? I'm for it. I'm like, quite an, yeah, like Anne and, uh, and Yeah, Anne. Yeah. I just made myself think of Anne. Um, yeah, but that is what we're trying to do. And also, just to anyone, if there is any kind of movement you, you want us to flag or you're uh, doing an event anywhere in New Zealand or elsewhere or there's an article that matters to you, please reach out to us on our Facebook page. We want it to be as collaborative as possible going forward because, as we've learnt, stronger together, right? Yeah. Totally. Totally. And can I just jump in there and say that as somebody who remembers um, feminism in the late 70s and 80s, it, one of the reasons that it started to unravel itself well, it was mostly Thatcher, but other reasons <laughs> were that um, women weren't always as inclusive of each other and didn't recognise the the way that oppression um, uh, meets together sufficiently to... Um, some people felt excluded and, mm. and feminism mm. lost a lot of it. And so I'm really keen that this time around, because we're in a lovely wave now, that we keep remembering to involve everybody and hold hands with everybody. Mm. Mm. Should we talk about the march on that note? Yes. Should we go into so let's just rip into it? Um, so, yeah, how many days have passed? It's been, was this weekend? New Zealand was the first to march in the world uh, yeah. in the Women's March which was for, for a lot of things, against a lot of things, but it was mostly a very positive, like, let's get to work. It was kind, kind of, of a rally, wasn't it? It was um, mm. rather than a protest. And, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody brought their, their own stuff to it, and I think that's fantastic. But it was glorious. They were expecting 500 in Auckland, and when we crossed the road from the cafe, there were 2,000 people, and my granddaughter said, oh, look at all your friends. Oh, oh, oh that's really that's cute. So cute. pretty adorable. <laughs> yeah, like, yep, damn straight. Yeah, yeah. These are all my mates. Yep. I was very nervous. I kept checking on the event page like, like I was having, like, my own party and I was like oh it doesn't look like as many people coming I was like, oh, why, have, why have all these people only said maybe like they're not gonna come I was like okay well only like 10% of the people who said yes are gonna come so it'll be like 10 and then I was arrived late and was just amazed at how many people had kind of backed up um down here in Custom Street and eventually spilled out onto the road for yeah. a good portion of Queen Street which is when I started to just gently cry <laughs> beneath my sunglasses holding Leonie was there in spirit and um, her sign that she made, that's, what yeah. did it say? Uh, it said I couldn't make it to the march, but I agree with everything. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't able to go to the women's match um, because, funnily enough, I had organised a day of activities with a women's collective that I'm a part of, um, and we had organised speakers and stuff, so we were unable to cancel that, so I made 
<laughs> made Alex carry me in sign form up the road. I'm sorry. It was <laughs> the best reason ever in the whole world. It was really amazing. I really hate missing out on stuff. So yeah, it was a great way to be there. I actually had a, like quite a few people were like, "Oh, the irony!" Like just mutters. I walked past. There was a guy. There was like a guy who I was kind of thought was kind of funny because as everyone was moving down Custom Street to start the march. He was just waiting at the bus stop, kind of taught in the, caught in the tide, just waiting for the inner link or something. <laughs> and I walked past and he went, oh, Leonie. And I was like, <laughs> hello, I got ally. sent so many photos of myself from people who were oh, there. Oh, that's so good. Also, a couple of people I was with out uh, on my, um, my one, I got sent photos of me while I was standing right next to them, which was really weird. That's mm. very cute. But, yeah. Did you it's have nice. a moment, like I, re- I loved the march and it was great and and a huge number of people and a wonderful festive atmosphere and all those things. But there was one of the moments that made me go, oh, was when uh, we were up at Myers Park and one of the speakers, I think it was Ali Moore who was emceeing it, said that the the police hadn't been present, They that the march had been taken care of in terms of security by their own marshals but the police hadn't had a, uh, an obvious uniformed presence because they trusted women to behave well and I just went oh mm. fuck yeah. <laughs> I'll show you <laughs> I'm going to go and smash yeah. the windows <laughs> but it was kind of nice as well that, mm. um, that there was that really yeah. open warm loving kind atmosphere going on it was good yeah I think it's probably also to po- important to point out as has been kind of pointed out with matches around the world that there is, you know, other reasons why the police weren't there. It was a very white march, yeah. you know, yeah. and um, that was something that happened across the world. And, you know, a lot of examples in America of people, you know, high-fiving, police high-fiving protesters, protesters and stuff and people saying, where was this at the Black Lives Matter yeah, march yeah. and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. I mean, question, obviously, because I wasn't there, what was the... Every protest I've ever been has had a thousand Tinoranga Tiratanga flags right at the front um, because we we like a good protest and a mm. good yell. Was there a big um, like Māori presence at the women's march? No, there wasn't, no. and that was acknowledged at the top. But I, if I feel like there were, that was definitely the major flaw mm. of the march. There were some others, but there should have been. There should have been a, um, an Indigenous women's presence at. I mean, a that march feels like that. deliberate. To me, I mean, there have been all sorts of like protest movements I've gone to where they've managed to galvanise a lot of Māori people to attend a protest at the drop of a hat, like mm. usually just ready to go. Um, so I might look into that and yeah. see if there were sort of if there was a conscious decision on the part of some organisations. I tell you, with no absolutely no disrespect, I think the women who organised this march, I think it may have been their first march that they mm. have organised. Right. So do you think maybe they didn't reach out no. as much as they might have? No. To and possibly d- didn't. Uh, yeah. Yes. Mm. Um, okay. that, that's, a, that's a guess and an impression rather than anything that I actually know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, another another thing for me, not nearly as important, but was that um, the first marshal I met was a, um, a little bossy white dude. And <laughs> the last thing I felt like being told was to get off the road and onto the footpath by, uh, by, by a dude. Yeah. It's like, no, this is my march. Yeah. I don't know why you're here in a vest. What is your problem? Yeah. Call the police if you have to. Yeah. yeah. Go on. Go on. You it. arrest me. Go I'll on. I'll call them for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there was one 
that hideous like MRA oh. guy screaming with his megaphone who's oh, always no, in the really. Oh, the guy, he hangs out on uh, K-Road sometimes. Yeah, I think he's been like in the news a couple of times for kicking he up He's wearing slacks um, with his shirt tucked <laughs> in and a, and a matching belt. Auntie Jackie from the aunties <laughs> yes. uh, uh, crossed paths with him as we were leaving the march and going to find some sushi at the food hall and uh, stood in front of him with her with her top off <laughs> and he had no idea what to do with that. Jackie! It's great, yes. eh? You cannot argue yes, with a man queen. with a megaphone, but you can take your shirt off. And it was a thing of beauty. He he's, he was speechless the for the first thing. time in his life. That's the best thing. Yeah. I only regret that we didn't all do it, but it was so powerful. It was great. Yeah. So did what he just, do? what did he do? He just looked aghast for a moment <laughs> and then turned his megaphone around somewhere else. Yeah. And I think shortly after that, somebody tried to punch him in the tiny, head. In the tiny, sort of, megaphone. Yeah. But, yeah, oh, no, so there were moments. In the oh, that people yeah. were. I don't want to give him attention, but you also yeah. can't let it go either. Mm, it's mm. weird. It's a terror. Anyway. There were 2,000 people on the Auckland March and he had two mates who were also wearing dress <laughs> pants. <laughs> it's their big day. Uh, ironed and everything. Yeah, I think later because um, me and Ashley, who was one of the women I marched with, came back here to the office, which is also on Custom Street, to get changed for a different event. And we came out and there was obviously a very small contingent of what looked like that guy, some of his mates, and a couple of other uh, men kind of just screaming at each other, protesting, or whatever, and they were just surrounded by a ring of police. And there was only about 10 or 20 of them. Wow. And I was like, that's quite an amazing yeah. comparison. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's interesting. Well, I mean, we do all know how much violence one man can cause mm. and be yeah. the source of, you know. So it's not, <laughs> it's not strange to me that 2,000 women are more passive than 10 men. Yeah. Passive or well-behaved or, or well-behaved. dignified or... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Some people were a little uh, cheesed off that there weren't more uh, kind of chants and things like that. I love it when you said cheesed off. <laughs> that makes me really happy. Yeah. Apparently in Wellington, heaps of chants, but we right. kind of didn't pull our chants out. Yeah. I, all the kids seemed to be leading the chants around where I was. Like, there was a little kid <laughs> just going, hope not fear, hope not Aww. fear. And I was like, oh. Oh, that's adorable. Aww. I was like, can't match your pitch. I was like, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah, like, didn't sound good. Sounds <laughs> real ominous yeah. when you do it like that. Yeah. <laughs> See, now, uh, what I what I read from, from hearing about what happened in Wellington and how much more like much as I'm used to it was, and seeing what happened in Auckland, it makes me suspect that a lot of people, oh, I'm just doing a... Prosecco burp. A lot. I see. I see dignity in class. A lot of people were on their first march mm. and maybe didn't have a repertoire of chants <laughs> that they have used before. Yeah. But and I think that's a great sign that this is a new um, take it to the streets uh, impetus. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And I guess kind of the thing that we face next is like, how do you channel that energy into doing stuff? Yeah. Like just so we don't all go home and use the hashtag and sit around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can we talk about a couple of things that you can do? I mean, there's so many different – in terms of, like, there's stuff that you can do in your everyday life, there's little changes you can make to your language and your behaviour, like we've kind of really talked about. That was one of the amazing kind of eye-opening things for me that came from that march was the criticism that came afterwards of people saying – oh, none of the speakers thought about, like, their gendered language and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's I that never would have crossed my mind had, had that not come about. Yeah. Um, 
to live to bigger things choosing which books to read now going forward like things and also like remembering to take care of yourself is mm. another important mm-hmm. thing it's it's a lot of scary scary headlines which we can talk about in a bit yeah um that are coming out of the US of A right now but mm-hmm. yeah is there anything like what would you guys like to see going forward from people I would just like people to become more comfortable with the idea that you get to talk to your MP directly. Mm. Like that is mm. one of your rights as a citizen. That um, You don't just have to yell about it on Facebook. Like they have offices, they have email addresses, they have physical addresses. Um, and that is absolutely your right. And it's expected of you that MPs expect that their constituents will be in contact with them. Mm. Um, so I, that's sort of like a thing that I feel like Everyone should be more complainy, but in the ways that actually count. Yeah. Rather than just our sort of how we've become accustomed to ranting. But um, I can write a letter and an email. Just send it to your MP. It, it actually doesn't matter if it's an issue that they necessarily have had anything to do with. They are your representative in the New Zealand government. So, you know, we're paying them to be our voice. Yeah. I think that's great. And as a as a backup to that, I think that's such a fantastic direct way of doing it, uh, get onto change.org's mailing list mm. because they do a fabulous job of gathering up signatures for petitions, email petitions, that then get sent to the relevant minister. So that can be a sort of a, a group effort that backs up your individual effort of writing a letter or an email to, to the MP. Mm. Mm. I just remembered someone did a tweet a couple of days ago that uh, people were talking about the there was an OIA request made about the number of abortions that have been denied in New Zealand um, in the past couple of years oh. and there are shocking figures we're talking 2014 was I think 216 abortions denied wow 2013 was 283 before that it was more so and they were kind of at the end they were like Please know what the number is declining. And you're like, yeah, there's still quite a few. Yeah, that's quite a, a lot. That's quite yeah. a few. And um, someone, their Twitter handle is NickNickNZ, said, anyone mad about this might like to write to MPs. The emails are always first name dot last name at parliament.gov.nz. Yeah. yeah. And there's also, you can f- uh, send them a proper letter, free private bag one, and then four eights, one four eight <laughs> in Wellington. So and you don't need a stamp. No. It's free postage. You just chuck it in. So, yeah, I don't know. Should we all start writing to Bill English? Like, Yeah. Oh, I have so many things to say to Bill English right now. Yeah. What do you want to say, Leone? Bill English came out <laughs> yesterday with this drivel about how protesting at Waitangi is no longer relevant <gasps> and that it might have been relevant 15, 20 years Ooh. ago. And I just the idea that this wealthy cis Pākehā man had the audacity to say when and where protest should be relevant... Mm just gave me so much boiling anger in my soul that it actually hurt my stomach for an hour or so. Mm. Um, but unless you don't get to dictate that. No. Yeah. It's not up to you when it's relevant to protest. Yeah. And it's not up to you who it's relevant to. So shush. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And listen. I mean, like... the, the stuff around him not wanting to go to Waitangi for Waitangi Day, I think it's terrible. I think that's where the Prime Minister should be on Waitangi Day. I am pleased that he is at least still engaging in Waitangi Day activities at Orake. Mm. But the fact is those comments revealed to me that he respects Māori culture but doesn't yet understand it. And that that really che- cheeses me off. Yeah. Because um, if, if not now, then when? Well, if exactly. you're the Prime Minister of New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it, it also means that you don't. He doesn't understand what the lower treaty grounds, the platform that has been providing to Māori people to protest and to speak on any number of subjects for decades. Mm. You know, like if you no longer think it's relevant for people to speak their mind, then you shouldn't be the prime minister. It's a bit like, isn't it, saying that there is no no relevance anymore to having an opposition political party because debate is pointless. So we should shut down the debating chamber in parliament because that's become irrelevant. Actually, there's a, a... that maybe makes some sense, but <laughs> but it doesn't because it's a democracy is about debate. Yeah, that's mm. the whole point. But it also means that he still thinks that Pākehā New Zealand controls that narrative. That it's not mm. Māori New Zealanders that get to decide the when and the where. It's still him. Yeah. Mm. And um, I actually didn't realise that he was that ignorant. Yeah. Like I have all sorts of problems with him of all sorts of other reasons, but I didn't realise his ignorance was that deep because he pronounces his te reo nicely and he can mahi for a couple of minutes at the beginning of a of a talk, you know, and so I he pulled the wool mm. and then I hear him say these comments and it's like, well, the wool is gone. I don't think he believes it. I think he is just terrified of turning up anywhere and doing anything. But most, yeah. his, mm. his uh, fundamental approach to being the Prime Minister since he became it is to do nothing. Yeah. Oh, look, he's scared of someone throwing a dildo at him and looking silly. Mm. And a part of me totally understands that. And then a part of me is like, just fucking do your job. It's kind of your job. Yeah, you've got to show up. Right. Your job is up. to have a dildo thrown at you. Yeah. That's what leadership is. That happens. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll think of something <laughs> else. Dildo is so 2016. So just, exactly. just a bucket of lube. <laughs> yeah. That was inappropriate. Sorry, sorry what to everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> slide. Anyway, yeah, sorry. sorry. I derailed, derailed our train of thought. No, that was the perfect train of thought. Um, if anyone... I know I already said this, but further to that thing of the conversations that you want us to have, the things you want to see from leaders or MPs and all of that, um, tell us on the hashtag as well so we can talk about it and we can yell and, and, and write stuff. And, and also local body politics as well as our national totally. MPs. Because I think sometimes um, local politicians the, uh, are more sensitive to what people in their local area feel, think, want, and mm. and also they're kind of slightly more normal people mm-hmm. often. Um, yeah. So, because they live just down the street from you rather than we at a, a to house. Work and yeah, shit like that. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, if um, environmental stuff, local stuff, yeah, I think that's a really important thing to do. And it makes you feel like you're doing something as well. Mm. I just had a few more. So I'm still trying to put this kind of big document together, which is not necessarily like a do this, 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 and this. It's just have a look, see what suits you, or see something that doesn't affect you in the slightest and do that thing, you know? like I think that would be a really good way of, like, crossing the streams. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm doing this hand gesture. I don't know why I'm saying this. But you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I know. I don't know yeah. what they meant. Mm. Um. Bringing things together. Uh, uh, oh, I don't know either. I've had some wine. It's the Prosecco's fault, but you know what I mean. And even just as simple stuff as like, make sure you're enrolled to vote and make sure that mm. you've updated your voting details mm. to your new mm. house because yeah. you know how hard it is for them to send the papers to the right place and all that kind of stuff. Um, this might be because I messaged a lot of politicians, but a lot of the feedback I got was join a political party if you really give a shit. Get yeah. involved, get on the ground and see what you can do to help out. I feel like, I don't know, it feels like there is 
a grassroots swelling of yeah. that kind of stuff happening. Yeah. Um, and it's just where to, what to do next. Yeah. yeah. Should we talk about what we're reading? Are we reading, watching, looking? I'm, I'm reading and watching. And the, the thing that I'm reading at the moment, which is helping me with my terrible anxiety about the world about to um, explode, is um, Gloria Steinem's autobiography, life, My Life on the Road, which is part sort of travel log and part... Um, uh, her history of feminism. So, so Gloria Steinem is 82 now. She spoke at the Women's March, I think, in Washington on Saturday. Um, and she's been a hero of mine for 30, 40 years. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but so there's this beautiful um, – this, these are her stories about – her uh, feminist evolution and the work that she's done over all of those years. And it's not just set in the past. There's a lot of stuff about what she's doing now, going to university campuses and mm. and all of those things. But it's where she came from and what she's learned along the way. And it's just, I find it so comforting to see that somebody as old as my mother um, has been fighting this fight and that it's a valid fight and and hear the things that she's learned. And the thing that strikes me right at the beginning of the book is she talks about how once you get women in a circle talking to each other, things get better. Mm. You find solutions, you listen to each other and things get better. And, and I do think that's what we're particularly good at and that's what we can always do. Alice Walker talks about the same thing. But yeah, so it's just affirming to have that historical look back at how shit it's been and how much better it's got and it's still shit but it can get even better than now. Do you think she, like how many times do you reckon she's wanted to give up? Mm. Like like you say, like she's been fighting this fight for so long. Yeah, like, yeah. She says she never gets tired of it. That because she keeps meeting young women with fire in their bellies, she catches the fire from them. Awesome, mm, amazing. That's good. Eighty two. Yeah, that rocks. Oh, really I got to cool. say, when I was like seeing all the photos from marches around the world, uh, every time I saw Gloria, I was like, <gasps> <laughs> she was um, hanging out with Miley Cyrus. I saw a couple of photos oh, yeah. of her Aww. and Miley arm and arm. Yeah, which I thought was quite sweet. Yeah, she's done a lot of work with Native American people um, and and I find that really interesting to read about in this book mm. as well. Um, anyway, so there's one. There's, there's one lovely book to read that makes you go, oh, yeah, we're right. And it'll, it, yeah, we, we have every right to be doing what we're doing and to be fucked off. Oh, it's, I mean, cheesed off. Cheesed off. Sorry, cheesed <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, God, there's I really so feel like much cheese now. <laughs> That's the bad thing about this new slang. I know we have a big wheel of camembert in the work fridge as well. No crackers. What? I don't know. Wow, it's the you, colla- you it's collapse of crackers. everything. You don't need crackers. Um, I have been reading, I've kind of been going between two books actually. I've been reading Sex Object by Jessica Valenti, I think her name is, and Feminism is for Everybody by Bell Hooks. Kind of yes. like a classic, you know, going back to, I kind of had not necessarily wanted to give up or not even like a crisis of confidence, just kind of I felt so full. My head was so full of things that I felt like I needed to just go back to like, okay, here is, spells it out, like the Bell Hooks book I'm talking about, Feminism is for Everybody. If you haven't read it, my boyfriend was actually reading it before I did, which I found very warming to my heart. He's a keeper. He's a good boy. Um, <laughs> I was like, give me that PDF. And it's it just goes back and spells it out without, you know, not not reducing any of the, more complex things within feminism, but it just talks about the central tenets of feminism, I guess. Mm. I don't even know when it was written, but it's kind of like a timeless text of just returning to the core principles and what it means and coming back to equality. And it was just exactly what I needed when I felt like I was like, 
I don't know what to think anymore. Like it was after actually yeah. on a side note, I sent Michelle a um, kind of graphics thing that someone's put together that compares a blue colored, well, politically blue Facebook feed next to a red Facebook feed in the States and the difference mm-hmm. between the coverage. I'll put it on our page, oh, but wow. I will warn you, it's going to make your head feel sore. Yeah. So <laughs> I clicked on the, how the women's marches were covered by, uh, by Republican leaning right leaning media and it's mm. it's a whole different thing really <laughs> it was it wasn't what we saw it wasn't where we were mm. it's remarkable how that how different the information is framed when it's um leaning the opposite way to the way that i believe yeah and for even closer to home pop on the newzealandherald.co.nz Facebook page and click on any article about the women's marches in New Zealand. And it's not a good time. It's not a good time under there. It's just, yeah, that massive gulf, like, of water (laughs) kind of thought-wise between what we believe to be true. What we were doing and what we we thought we were doing and what the march represented and then just a man who's saying... Uh, who's making the sandwiches that's got like 300 likes <laughs> and you're just like oh bad God. joke hack I, I, <laughs> yeah exactly not original <laughs> hey yeah get better material i've had a whole lot of men on my facebook page saying if you stop being so shrill and strident with your marching then you'd win over more men and until you do that you're going nowhere and is this what prompted your hey dudes? Yeah, I really don't need yeah. you don't. to tell me how to do my feminism. I love it. Oh yeah, there was also a guy who slid into the on the rag Facebook page, which I thought I'd just leave there because some of our <laughs> wonderful listeners kind of schooled him. Not that I expect people, you know, I think I'm at a point where we're like, if you want to learn about stuff, there is a lot of like resource out there for you to do so. It is not necessarily the job of women to always tell you, but this guy came in and went, Oh, so this is his voice. Oh, so what policies we protesting exactly? <laughs> and someone Trevor. just schooled this massive long like list. It's like, read the fucking billboards. Yeah. Like just I love this idea that because there's a lot of different issues on the table that it's confused, that yeah. we don't know what we want. Yeah. Because there are different people sort of standing up for different causes. And it's like, no, yeah. it just means you've given us too much shit to yeah. deal with, yeah. assholes. Mm. Like, we're not confused. And we're you just know- united in our struggle. Towards gaining equality. Like, and I tell you, it's not if, confusing. If a person's got cancer and a heart condition and they're going blind, nobody says, well, you can't treat all those three things at once. Pick one. Pick one. What's, yeah. what's your problem? Yeah. Yeah. You treat all the shit. And also, Trevor, in your basement of your mum's house, <laughs> what does it matter to you? Yeah. If women are out there marching and having a good time. That's yeah. the thing that kills me. Who did it hurt? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it wasn't even a work day, right? It's not like you couldn't get to the office. <laughs> yeah. We weren't in your way. Yeah. It's really, yeah. it boggles the mind. Yeah, leave that up there. I didn't actually see Trevor sliding in there. Oh, but I don't know. Yeah. Thanks, OTR listeners slash Facebook friends. Yeah. I'm not. St- I'm still not too sure what our policy should be on that, but I was kind of like, he wasn't necessarily aggressive. He was just asking a question. Yeah. But I was kind of like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big side. I think it's really nice roll. when when people, other people, do the heavy lifting on those particular. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. like I, I'll check something on my page and men will come and go blah 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 blah, <laughs> and I'll go. I just have to go out for a cup of coffee. And yeah. when I come back, eight women have gone. No, actually, yeah. you're a crazy, crazy, and here's why. Yeah. 
So, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Um, we kind of derailed there. Leonie, have you got any readings, uh, things that you're looking at at the moment? Um, yeah, I have two re- books that I'm both reading and ignoring, as cool. you do. Mm. Um, <laughs> both really great. Um, both there's, The reason I sort of come back to them and go between this is because they're just collections of works. Um, one is um, a book by Teju Cole called Known and Strange Things. He's a, a Nigerian-born author who has written extensively for like, The Atlantic and The New York Times, and he writes um, very clearly and concisely on, I guess, the modern malaise and has really great takes on things like how social media is still an extension of colonization and mm. really cool ideas like that but he's also sort of very pop culture savvy and so I enjoy his writing very much um and then the other book like well, I actually keep more stealing this off my boyfriend is called the book of descent mm. and I recommend this very much to uh, all women who are, it's, it's got a, a male e- editor but basically it is writings around the theme of descent dating back to I think the earliest one is like 150 AD or something. Wow, so it's a combination wow. of just quotes or religious texts or um, excerpts from speeches or essays that have been published and essays that have never been published. Um, and it's really cool. It just runs the gamut of just dissenting voices from mm. religion to uh, academics. It's really, really awesome. There's quotes from – and it's, it sort of avoids sort of like your usual um, uh, I have a dream type stuff because everyone knows that. Yeah. It's yeah. a huge volume as well. So there's a lot to get stuck into, and by the end of it, you're just like, I'm going to fucking burn it all down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yay. I'm totally finding the historical stuff really comforting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I need to chuck one more in. I keep meaning to say this every time we do a podcast. Yeah. Standardissuemagazine.com, which is a UK-based uh, anthology collection of um, women writers. It starts. It started out uh, with Sarah Milliken, the comedian oh, in the UK. It. She's fabulous. Love so she her, started yeah. this website, and it's uh, the alternative to women's magazines that tell us that we're fat and wrong and ugly and bumpy and you know all that. So it's got a huge range of topics on it: um, travel and um, memoir and political stuff. And uh, yeah, so it's just standard issue magazine. One word. Dot com and you can you can subscribe or you can just dive in and have a look at stuff but that's it's specifically for intelligent women who don't want to be told that they're wrong mm. oh it looks she's great funny we'll post she's that great. post that on our yeah. facebook page she's the woman who said she's fuck you to all the trolls who ripped into her dress that time yeah right? that she, was really yeah, that was awful that she wrote about how she had got dressed up for an awards mm. ceremony or red carpet event and she felt beautiful and she got a lovely, maybe I think it was like a red dress even. She was feeling really good and then next minute there's just a whole bunch of media ripping apart how terrible she looked. Yeah. Mm. She wrote about it very, very she, yeah. elegantly. Yeah. She's really great. Yeah, it was very like human response. Yeah. It was It was a good reminder that even women who walk down red carpets are still human beings with personalities and feelings. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Um, before we move on to our other topics, do we have any cool tips from January? Oh, <laughs> I have a cool tip, which is, it's not very cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think cool, cool is in inverted commas at this point. A tip, which I just, I find weirdly helpful. So others might try this and disagree. So it's around, <laughs> around 
toilet smells. <laughs> now, I got told this by someone that you use, you know, one of those squirty air fresheners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like you go to the bathroom and then you squirt it in the air mm. and then your bathroom basically just smells like toilet smells but with some other smells on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't point it in the air. Point the air freshener straight into the bowl. Whoa. It's actually amazing. There are no more toilet smells. Wow. I know how scientifically it works. Really? Well, sort of. So there's oily stuff in the air freshener. And so it creates almost like a seal on the surface of the water in the bowl. So once anything goes through the – into the water, it is underneath the – sealed surface of the top of the right. water. So it, the odours can't come back out. Yeah. This is like bloody Mythbusters over here. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, great. That is a that great, that is the coolest tip. But I, I mean, you do heard. get sort of like a little bit like worried around these kinds of oh, things, totally. especially if you're sort of using a bathroom that a lot of other people have to use. And then, yeah, and then I, I learned this. Or like this back in tip. the beginning of a relationship where you're trying to oh my god, yes. someone. Oh, my God. <laughs> where you try to pretend that you don't. I, I have never farted. <laughs> yeah. I have never farted or pooed in my life. Never. I have a friend who I shall not name. <laughs> oh, no, is this like bandicooting? This is a bad thing to do. It's just hilarious, though. And she has not <laughs> farted in front of her partner of 10 years. <gasps> ever. Wow. Oh, that would hurt so hard. And I was like, <laughs> what is going to happen when that? <laughs> The first yeah, one. You're yeah. really the expectation when she finally does, he's gonna laugh so hard he might actually die. <laughs> he'll be so thrilled. I bet he'll say, Oh thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm laughing and I feel bad. That's the best feeling. I love it. <laughs> That's a great tip. I'm gonna use that. Yeah. If if they ever have children. And, and he's at the birth. It's going to be, I don't know, well, at that point, neither <laughs> yeah. of them will care. But no. it's just like all of that stuff is it's just amazing. out the window. I was like, like, good on you. That takes forward planning. That takes a panic room. That takes, <laughs> <laughs> that takes a lot of things to pull that the off that discipline long. is incredible. <laughs> yeah. That it's so I rewired it. your biology somehow. <laughs> yeah, it just comes out your fingertips. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, Michael tip isn't really a tip. It's more of just something to keep in mind. I know that like summer hasn't been that great so far, but we're told it's going to get hotter. It's going to be more beachy in Feb in March. Um, I just read this amazing article that was like an interview with an ex Victoria's Secret mo- like photoshopper for their catalogs, oh. and basically had the biggest like poof, revelation of my whole life. This pertains to anyone who has tried to wear a strapless bikini before or just a bikini and been like, why does, why do these not look the same as theirs? They wear strapless bras under their bikinis and they Photoshop them out. Really? Yeah. Yeah. 100% 100% of the time. My whole life so that's is a why, lie. That's why they have oh, cleavage. No. Yeah. We've been tricked. We've been tricked. Oh, wow. I know. I just thought it was like, yeah, I thought it was just the nature of the boob. Yeah. yeah they just had just, better boobs. Yeah, but a apparently that's just real standard boob. practice um, across the board. And the, the, the person even said, they were like, you know, gravity does not work like that. It's just impossible. A strapless bikini does not, it. does not hold up boobs like that. So they had to come up with a solution. So come there you on. go. Keep that in mind, you know. Yeah. It's you all cannot good. look like the picture. You cannot. Because the people in the picture don't even look like yeah. the picture. So it's just and let's be honest, a normal, okay, normal use 
not to mean like there's one kind of normal, but like a natural boob is a better looking boob than like a push, pushed up to your eyeballs boob. A crazy boob, yeah. The natural shape of all boobs is cool. Yeah, it's mm. sort of boob shaped. It's isn't boob it? shaped, really. Yeah, rather than dome shaped, like, squished into an unnatural, <laughs> painful looking top of a muffin shape. <laughs> Ain't no one into that. Nah, nah, nah. We should see more of the natural boob thing. So my my tip, I don't know if I, if everybody else in the world knows this apart from me. So I went round to a friend's place for drinks on Monday, and uh, we ran out of crackers and chips. And so she got pita bread circles and cut them into Ooh. diamond, you know, cut one like one circle of pita bread yeah. into eight segments, yeah. and then peeled the segments apart and laid them flat on an oven tray and popped them in Pita-chippies. the oven. Yeah, and they're kind of crispy on the outside, but they're still vaguely. Oil. If you don't put anything on them, you can put rosemary on them, but no oil or anything mm. like that. And they're, so they're crispy, but they're also kind of weirdly juicy mm. at the same time. So I think you have to time it right. I would never time it right. I would be <laughs> yeah. pouring another drink, yeah. and they I would, would be burned. <laughs> yeah, five but seconds too they long were in the fabulous. oven. Fabulous. Oh. Yeah, and you can make vast quantities out of mm. a couple of pieces of pita bread that could be just sitting in your freezer for when you run out of chippies and crackers, but you've still got some onion dip because it's almost summer. Have you got any pita bread in the freezer, Alex, to go with that big wheel of cheese? (laughs) Unfortunately, no. You know what state our freezer's in in this office. (laughs) They take no room, which is a good thing. Mm. You can slide them down the side and forget they were there for years. Combine that with Leonie's tip from the last episode about the... um, Making like oh. iced teas, cooling down flavored teas. <gasps> yes. You could do a real like last minute yeah. budjo party. Nearly. Totally. I didn't plan this party. <laughs> yeah. That's what it could now, be called. Come we, to my. I didn't plan this yeah, party. Yeah. We just need like a recipe for moonshine or mead or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bottle shop closed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool tips. Yay. Again, if you would like to share your cool tips, hashtag OTRPod on Twitter. Yeah. I love like life hacks and, and tips and stuff. So do I. It's, I seldom use them. I'm still waiting for my jandals to break so I can do that thing with the bread tag. But when I do, I will what be thing telling with the everyone. Bread tag? Do I know about that? When like you know when the little the, the thong. Oh here, you're gonna lose me. Yeah. The pokey bit. Falls out of the like comes out of the hole. <gasps> yes. Jam it back through, put a bread, bread tag. tag on the underside. Was that last Holds for a while? Hold, wow. Stops it from According to the internet, yeah. I've never seen it in real life. I, I want to go and snap either. a pair of jandals. Just well, everyone I know just sort of gets their lighter out and just tries to weld <laughs> all, the whole bit together. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not judging. Yeah. <laughs> On from those cool tips. Okay, so now we've got kind of, it's like a triple threat and everything is kind of intertwined. Mm. There's a mad butcher, mm-hmm. Jimmy Jackson. Mm. Mm. And uh, the Idris Elba piece that was written by Emily Wrights, responded to by the Pentagraph Punch, and um, was a big lesson in intersectionality and the importance of remembering the role oh. of race and gender colliding. So, I guess should we start off talking about that? So, if, if you're not, sh- if you don't know the backstory of this, so Emily Wrights is an amazing writer, blogger. She runs her own blog, and she's also the spin-offs parenting editor, um, and. She wrote this kind of piece in the same vein, I suppose, as the Tarzan kind of super horned up. Which was superb. Which was amazing. Just when Emily goes crazy for a man that she likes (laughs) (laughs) and makes sensational content. Um, (laughs) And it's so rare to see a woman just so wildly embracing her sexual desire. Yeah. I love it. 
Yeah, so uh, inspired by the... I'm not actually sure. What was the purpose of the video that Idris Elba made? It was a social media campaign. He was selling himself uh, Valentine's. You could uh, go on a draw to win him for Valentine's Day date and the money raised was to go to help young women uh, an educational scheme in, I can't remember, somewhere. somewhere. Sorry. Anyway, yes. So it was her response to his video where he sits looking very sexy and James Bondish and yeah. drinking champagne and saying, you can have anything, you can, yeah. Yeah. So an interesting thing happened. She wrote that initially for her own blog. It went up and she received the same kind of spewing vitriol of hate that she got for the Tarzan thing, which is coming from yeah. men telling her she's a slut. If we're disgusting. not allowed to objectify women, you shouldn't be allowed to objectify men. <laughs> it's reverse sexism. It's reverse sexism because that's a real thing. Yeah. You can just turn sexism away. That's times many. All the Trevors. So much. Just a Trevor, sea of Trevors. Her piece put all the Trevors to the yard. Yeah. <laughs> So she took it down, you know, because she, you know, rightly so, doesn't want to put up with that shit Because a human the can time. only take so much. Yeah. Exactly. And when it's coming, you know, as thick and fast as that, it's totally fine. And then a couple of days later, um, us, you know, Emily writing for us as well at the spinoff, we decided to republish it, which was kind of came from a place of we love Emily and it was also – kind of a fuck you to the trolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We wanted to kind of protect her and be like this, you know, we yeah. can we can provide you a platform that is safe where you won't see these kinds of things. Um, and I think really what happened in our haste to do that is we did not stop to sit back and actually think about the wider implications of that piece, which was pointed out to us a few days later in an amazing piece mm. um, written by Lana Lopesi for the Pantograph Punch. And I've forgotten what it was. It had a really amazing headline. Um, and it was superb. Her piece was also. If you are unaware, Idris Elba is a black man, is a black an English man. black man, not yes. an African American black man, but he is black, and that is the cause of the reaction. Yeah, yes. so it was the headline is "Caught in the First Trap: White Gaze on Black Bodies," and basically she brought up the broader context of that you can't eliminate race from from this kind of discussion and the history of you know, black bodies being sexualized and centuries of context to what mm. was going on. Exactly. And it was like beyond that, you know, it this kind of conversation unfolded on social media, you know, through Twitter and Facebook and we had you know, conversations here about it throughout that day. And it to me it kind of seemed like an amazing example of when it was as what what was it that you said, Michelle? It was Heat, light, not heat. It was light, not heat. It was her, Lana's piece was so thoughtful, and but it came from. I mean, there were moments where you could tell that she was angry, but mm. it was really kind, and mm. I learned so much. Like I heard about the hoo ha, um, and I hadn't read Emily's piece, and I hadn't read Lana's piece. I hadn't read anything, and I had it described to me, and I, I, I was just, I don't understand. And then as soon as I Googled it and found her piece, I understood from, I went from zero to, I think, getting it in mm. the time that it took to read her article. I've never read the original Emily, Emily piece, but I also read Emily's apology, mm. and those two things read together back to back made me weep um, happy tears because it was like you made a 
mistake and here is how you made the mistake and here is why you made, this is why it's a mistake and then somebody saying I made a terrible mistake I the thing that I loved from Emily was she said I'm grateful that Lana and others took the time to educate me when they didn't have to mm. and that's such a great thing to say as part of your apology is that you didn't actually have to be as articulate and take the time to explain this to me and I'm really grateful that you did mm. yeah it was a um as my boyfriend, who seems to be a better feminist than me at this stage, <laughs> <laughs> he called it a, a reach out and not a call out. That same oh, kind of thing great. that you said. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like she didn't need. Yeah, like you said, she needed that time. She also didn't need to be as gentle and considered in terms of she completely understood what we were trying to do, and and not to diminish that we were trying to do a good thing. It was just that in doing that, we were so focused on that that we failed to see another giant part of the piece. Um, yeah, it was just an amazing example of that and kind of directly addressing it and reaching out and there's only so much that kind of subtweets and stuff can do yeah. when people can't actually see it or see yeah. what you're talking about and it was, yeah. And I also think that Emily's response and being so sort of gracious with her apology actually set the tone to a certain extent for others who had just sort of come along to see the shit fight. Yeah. You know, like they'd seen one piece, they'd seen another piece and gone onto Twitter and gone, well, this will be juicy. And mm. then the first thing you see is Emily apologising and saying, I encourage everyone to read Lana's piece. And so I sort of felt like after that, there was just a lot of people like Michelle just feeling very good about the discourse and about the outcome from that. But as it turned out, there were also other people that I didn't realise until recently that basically turned on Emily and were dicks to her about it and mm. that has shook Emily's self-belief a little bit as far as I can tell. So I would like to say publicly, Emily, don't you fucking dare stop writing. No, absolutely no. not. We need you and don't you dare and we appreciate you and we think you're really great and yeah. you just made a mistake and we all make mistakes. Mm. But actually we need you to like continue to be gracious in accepting that mistake and continuing to be a better writer because then we all get to learn from that as well. The only way you don't mis make mistakes, the only way you don't screw up is if you live in a cave and never speak and have no interaction with the world. Mm. And anyone who is outspoken, who puts their head above the parapets, who wants to engage with ideas is going to screw up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, mm. I'm, I know that I'm going mm. to screw up. I'm going to say the wrong thing or be thoughtlessly hurtful or get something badly wrong. And I just hope that somebody would be as kind as, as Lana and do the reach out, not the call out. Yeah. This is where the saying, carry yourself with the confidence of a mediocre white man, really comes into play. Because yeah. Yeah. you need to think of all of the male Ugh. media commentators in New Zealand who have done really fucked up shit, who've been called out for it, who haven't even like acknowledged that they've done something wrong, and yet no. they've just continued on with their lives as if nothing happened. They continue, and there's some that yeah. have accepted it and have moved on. The point is the moving on. Mm. Like, mm, yeah. you know, it's, this doesn't define you. At best, you feel you should feel, just feel like a little bit shit and reconsider things for like 48 hours max. Yeah. But then after that, it's all up onwards and upwards again. Yeah. Because Emily's got shit to do. Yeah, you yeah know, we she's need doing her to do that shit. Good work. As is everybody. Yeah. Um, as opposed to Sue Mad Butcher. Exactly. Yeah. Who uh, is involved in a 
racist fracker and has half the world running around going, no, he's a good he's dude. A good flow. He's not racist. He did a dumb shit thing. And then the next thing that happens that blows my mind is that he his PR person, Michelle Bogue, is someone who has never met the kind of person that he offended. And so he has mm. no idea how to frame an apology or no. resolve the issue in any way. She doesn't understand that somebody was offended by being caught uh, with this, uh, the, the business about Waiheke white, being a white, white man's yeah. island. And so as his PR person, her response was that this woman can't have been, he can't have been racist towards this woman because she was barely coffee She's coloured. barely brown and his ah! grandchild is from Ngāpuhi. Yeah, and... you know what? <laughs> Lots of men are married to women and they're sexist pricks. Yeah. yeah. So nah. But also beyond that, she also was like, I didn't know I was on the record. <laughs> like, there's so much she doesn't understand she, about. Oh, she's she, so bad at her job. And she yeah. never heard of casual racism either. Or was that, yeah. or was that uh, Susan DeVoy? Somebody had never heard of casual racism. You're like, uh, well, I fucking hope it was. What world are you in? I don't, I know, I'm kind of worried now that it was. I could be wrong about that. It might have been Michelle mm. Bogue. But, yeah. Wait, I mean, like, if Peter Leach had sat in a bar and told some dudes what he'd just done, they would have said to him, you were a dick. Mm. Say that. But instead, he's being defended by someone who doesn't understand the offence caused. Yeah. Mm. From the Mad Butcher, I feel like in terms of going to the ends of the earth to justify a bad joke that offended a lot of people, Jimmy Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) So ashamed. Um, So Jimmy Jackson, online comedian, they say. (laughs) Yeah, he's part of the industry that I work in, apparently. I find that terrifying well no I don't find that terrifying it just makes me go really you got a tv show yeah really yeah you dude well 800,000 people on facebook don't lie you know who knows how many of them are like bots but he's got a massive online following he's been doing kind of snappy short instagrammy type videos Mm. youtube videos for a long time and recently during what I understand to be filming for his show coming to Māori TV later this year, he took a snapshot of himself in blackface, right? Yeah. It's blackface. It doesn't it matter is. if it's bronze. It doesn't matter if it's brown, <laughs> as people have kind of come to the defense of. Yeah. It's, it's exactly, it's the Michelle Bow. It's the coffee colored thing. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't really matter what the shade is, you right? You don't need it's, to yeah. get a Razan color chart out to know whether it's racist <laughs> yeah. or not. And he wrote in the Snapchat something, Jimmy Black's it, or like, and did a caption saying I would, yeah. So it was very clear what he was trying to do with that, with that um, piece of content, <laughs> which he put out, which he put out to his Facebook. I don't really fans. like the sneer that you had on your face. <laughs> you look cheesed off. Uh, cheesed off. Um, and a lot of people were offended by it, which you can completely understand um, if you know anything about the history of blackface. Yeah. And even if you don't, if people say they're offended by something. Probably means there's something to it, you yeah. know. It's seldom that people just get offended for no reason. And yeah. I think that's something that people forget all the time, saying that people are just trying to be snowflakes or get attention or get famous like the woman on Waiheke, you know. You don't go out of your way to make a video of yourself sobbing because you want, what, money? A TV yeah. show? Fame? Like, no. No. Because you see how much shit you go up exactly. against. And if you're a digital native, you know full well that anything – vaguely racially motivated any kind of idea along those lines you're going to get hated on Mm. so you don't do that for like fame either no 
it kind of defies belief. So there were people commenting on Jimmy's post saying this is offensive and, you know, you need to, you're a role model. Now you need to think about these things, blah, blah, blah. He didn't take to the criticism very well. Not so well. He oh, stepped it up and not. I'll be honest. He said, I believe, he called one woman, she, he said to her, your fingers, which is interesting, fingers were made for hand jobs, not typing. So shut the fuck up, slut. Uh, mm. Which got, I think, before it was, I think he was made to delete it by Maori oh, TV a few days later, but it down. got up to at least 700 likes. Wow. Um, which was very scary. And yeah, it was yeah, kind the of. the most disturbing part of any of that shit, isn't it? Exactly. People go, yeah, good on you, mate. Yeah, she is a slut. Your fingers are for hand jobs. Like, what is that? I what is that? Hand jobs were such a thing. Are they? A th- I, I, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm taking it to another place again. But let's take. Really? That's what you. Okay, hey, you can ask yeah. any questions you want. Okay, this is a safe place. Ask whatever. Hashtag, hashtag OTR pod if you've got any questions. <laughs> I suspect they're a thing that, like, teenagers think are a thing, which would explain a lot about Jimmy Jackson. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And then he did an apology, didn't he? he well, he didn't. No, he, he, did he recorded a five-minute video that was just made me go, I don't know who you are and I don't know what you're for and I don't know how you got a TV show, but I quite like it if you'd come and do a quick ten minutes at Little Easy on Sunday night in Ponsonby and see how you go in front of a crowd <laughs> of actual humans. Yeah. it was. I mean, he does do live comedy. Does he? Yeah. He does tour. Never, he does, he does amazingly tour. well in, in New Zealand and Australia. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> See, this I'm still struggling with this one, not with the blackface thing and not with the comments, but, I mean, I knew exactly who he was before all of this. He's Jimmy Jackson. He's a very popular Māori comedian because he, he is what I would call Māori-centric humour, mm-hmm. and it's not a place there really isn't anyone else doing that at the moment. Mm. Um, so that's who he's popular with. That's who that 800,000-strong group of people is. I mean... There are less than 800,000 Māoris in New Zealand, but mostly that is people like my family who think that those jokes, because they're quite rough as guts. I can't say I've ever, like, heard him call anyone in any of his skits or whatever that he posts. Like, they're not based around, like, calling people, like, sluts or anything. They're not usually racially based either. Mm. They're more just sort of uh, making fun of... uh, Māori, non-Māori relationships in New Zealand and tropes about the cops and being brown and that sort of stuff. Is it sort of a 21st century Billy T? Kind of, but definitely rougher. Like, Billy was definitely... PGA. Yeah. Or is that a golf tournament? (laughs) (laughs) He's PGA 13. Family. Um, Yeah, I mean, he swears a lot and he says the C-bomb a lot, but I'm not aimed at people, just, you know... So I was I was absolutely on board with Jimmy Jackson until all of this, but it also oh, means okay. it also means that all of those likes are coming from my community essentially, and so I am like quite mad at them. I'm mad at those seven hundred people who are potentially like my cousins or my friends or you know like. Mm. Um, but saying that, I mean, even the blackface thing, this is the t- a type of humour that uh, I I hear amongst people I know and in my family, but it's for us. It's not it's not the sort of humour that you would, like, go public with. Like, people in my family, like, joke about who the blackest one is. Like, the darkest person in my family, his nickname is literally Blackie. 
and has been his whole life. Like, that's just, like, our sense of humour. But, again, I'd be horrified to see it done on, te- performed on television. Yeah. So, yeah, mm. it's a really strange, it's, it's a strange place to, to come from because, obviously, I can objectively say that you do not talk to women like that. You do not tell people that their hands are made for hand jobs and that they're sluts in a public forum. But yeah, like I say, I just I struggle with the fact that that seven hundred, potentially a lot of those read mana. Mm. Hmm. Um, my friend, another friend, made a video in response to the Jimmy Jackson blackface controversy. She is from Barbados and she is black, and she was really, as you would be, deeply upset by it. And so I thought maybe I kind of I tried to transcribe. A couple of things that she said because, you know, I can't speak to it, but she can, you know. And she said, um, she had some like amazing, it was just like an amazing, I wish I could share it, but she's private. So we're trying to work on a piece for the spinoff. Anyway, too much talking. Um, (laughs) I'm just trying to find, there was some amazing quotes where she said, she said, the history of blackface and the people who were demeaned and most affected by blackface are not New Zealand Maori or Pacific Islanders. I'm not trying in any way to belittle their struggles and their oppressions, and I try my best to stand with those people, but this totally breaks my heart, Yeah, is what she said. And, you know, she had some amazing points, like, people don't realise that there were, like, vaudeville performers that did blackface here, you know? There is still that, like, crazy thing that happens in Birkenhead, the Dutch Christmas parade where they do Black Pete and stuff. It's not like... Oh, and I grew up watching the Black and White Minstrel show on television. It was mainstream Sunday night viewing. And, yeah, it was normalised. Yeah. Yeah, this is a multicultural society. Mm. And there's this kind of weird past that I think, like, wider speaking, New Zealanders try and say, oh, but we're so far away. We're just little. We don't know. We're new. Like, this isn't it. And it's like, you can't think like that anymore. You know... Especially if you're Jimmy Jackson, 800,000. He's going out to a global audience, I'm assuming, because that's huge for a New Zealander, right? He's got more than bloody Richie McCaw. Really? <laughs> and who is bigger well, than yeah, Sir Richie? No, it would probably be, I mean, it would be mostly New Zealand and Australia. Yeah. 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 But it's interesting. And then when you get like Māori TV involved as a proper organisation mm. trying to rein in these social media stars for a mainstream audience and what kind of happens there. I mean, they must have been having some very interesting conversations. And that's another angle for me that kind of disappoints me about it, which is that this was a, an experiment in crossing over from that online success to having your own TV show. Mm. And and I feel like he's kind of blown it for – well, maybe he hasn't, but um, – I would hope that this kind of thing would blow it for him in particular. But, you know, it's going to make any other broadcaster nervous then about finding somebody who's had that online success and turning them into mainstream success. I only only mean in New Zealand and Mm. no one else in the world is nervous about that shit, but we're a bit (laughs) nervous about that here, right? Mm. And I guess I I also feel really disappointed in Māori television in a way because I've always wanted them to have a higher level of integrity because they I don't know I've looked up to them for as an organization and you know they're not the commercial um puppy thingy bum licky places that (laughs) other broadcasters are I don't know (laughs) I don't know I'm not very articulate at this point but um yeah you know I just yeah I mean this is probably on you for them as well yeah totally generally the shows and the the TV presenters that they have on Māori television are incredibly family-friendly. 
mm. yeah. you know, to a fault. Yeah. The cooking shows to the, you know, to, to the news. It's all very. Yeah. So it would have been. <laughs> I imagine they would have been quite shocked too. Yeah. And to their credit, they did a story uh, on it mm. and also talked to the woman who this terrible comment was made to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which I thought was really cool and potentially not how one of the state broadcasters would have reacted. Yeah, that is absolutely true. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yep. Interesting to see what kind of happens because this is probably the first time Jimmy's been had eyes on him from like. Beyond yeah. his bubble, it's a very big bubble, but yeah. it's still a bubble, you know. And it was kind of it was one of those bubble bursting things for me as well. Like we've been saying, looking at these Trump feeds and blah blah blah, reading all those comments and going, "Holy shit!" Like yeah. <laughs> these people believe something completely different, but at the same time, he's done the exact same thing back to the media yeah. and made that video that was oh, confusing, confused, yeah. angry, kind of willfully ignorant. Yeah but still gets like thousands and thousands of likes. So there's going to have to be a time where something gives, right? And he's either going to have to compromise or he's just not going to go back to mainstream media. And maybe it is that these social media stars don't actually need a TV show, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. He can just do sponsored content for New Zealand or whatever, you know, something else and do stuff online. Yeah. Mm. It's weird though because, you know, comedians that sort of base, their shtick is being offensive, are usually very aware of what it is that they're lampooning. Yeah. And so, therefore, the offensiveness is, like, very targeted in, like, yep. very clever ways. Mm. Whereas oh, and he's been caught off point. guard, didn't realise that, like, he was... I guess maybe didn't realise how offensive he was or something. Mm. And he has said just he'd... sort of shown his true colours as not actually been smart enough to, to handle what he's created, if you like, you know? Yeah. Like, he hasn't got the sharpened wit that you need to be able to actually focus that kind of humor mm. humor like a laser like you have to mm. in order for it to work and continue to work rather than just be like cheap gags if you're yeah. doing blackface with irony you need to know what blackface is and what it represents exactly, exactly. yeah and then you need to yeah. yeah that's what you need to be satirizing yeah. but i mean again we don't actually know what the the skit or whatever that no. they were filming it for, and I really hope that we don't find out because if Marty yeah. Television leaves that I think in the TV show, that'd be the worst decision ever. Those tapes will be buried <laughs> deep beneath the earth, thrown into Mordor. Um, yeah, interesting. Mm. Uh, fuck, how how long have we talked? We haven't even talked about Trump yet, but do we even want to? Maybe not. This fucking global gag thing freaked me out. It, I think we can rest assured, this is the, the thing that every Republican president comes in and signs an order that uh, says that if you are receiving some of America's funding for an overseas non-governmental organisation that helps with health care, is that too complicated a sentence, you are not allowed to talk about abortion to the, the people that come to you. But it, it's standard practice. I think we can be reasonably calm about this one. It's okay. standard practice. Every Republican president has signed this order and every Democratic president has has uh, reversed it. Yeah. It's day one mm. standard procedure. Okay. What it means in terms of what he might want to do within his own country is different. But it's not. this is not the beginning of the end. This is what George W. Bush did and his father before him and Reagan before that. Okay, that's good to know. Well, I mean, you know, 
and I feel in the like scheme of things. I saw a headline about they've just added one extra piece of policy that means the decision can't be reversed. No, I think somebody else, is a Democrat, is working on a piece of legislation that says you've got to stop doing this every four years. <laughs> right, okay. Dicks. So yeah. that can't be – okay, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the bigger fight here is that they are still they are still full steam ahead for plans to defund Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Mm, mm. Which for some reason every single fucking Republican candidate who ran that was just like the top of their list. Like why? Why know. do you give a genuinely, shit? Genuinely, genuinely why? Yeah. I've like, thought about this and I can't think of a you good reason. You devoted your life. To public service. Yeah. And the thing that you think about the most is what women do with their reproductive organs. Like, yeah. fucking put some more books in a school. <laughs> yeah. Why is this the top of your list? Because. Every single fucking Republican candidate talked about it, including the women. At some hardcore level, you know that if women can't control their reproductive systems, they're not free and you don't want them to be free. No. You want to, that's, mm. that's a really important piece of control. You can keep control of women by making them have babies. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I know that sounds really melodramatic, but it's, I think that's baseline hardwired into conservatives that that's what will happen to the little ladies. Yeah. And then they'll stop being so noisy and going on their marches with their placards. Yeah. Wanting to be paid the same amount as men. I don't know why anybody doesn't have has a problem with women getting paid more. Because for heterosexual couples, that means you got more money coming into the house. I've never understood that right from the beginning. Why would you have a problem with women earning? Why would you, as a heterosexual man, have a problem with your female partner earning more money? At what point is that a problem to anybody? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I've had two oh, glasses of mind. prosecco and I've gone no, a bit hot and bothered. Good. I should shut up. It's stressful. But it's good, and we're going to try and keep talking about it here on On The Rag. Uh, I guess we normally end with a Yas Queen, but it almost feels weird now because there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's just so yeah. many queens. We'll just have a no so much dude. Yes. We'll just have no dudes. All women. No dudes. Oh, not all. No, no but old. Oh, yeah, all people. All who people aren't. who believe in equality, right? Everybody who's not a. An idiot. Yes, all people. Not you, Trevor. No, Trevor, sit None down. None of the Trevors are included. <laughs> um, yeah, that seems like a good place to leave it. Trevor, th- <laughs> thanks for listening the whole time. Sorry we had to boot you out at the last minute there. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you to Bon Tampons again for supporting us, Woo-hoo! making this podcast. Thanks, Michelle Leone and Madeline Chapman for recording this. Hey, thanks, man. Um, get involved with us, hashtag OTR Pod, and on our Facebook page. And we will talk to you next month, hopefully. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.